This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. New message. Hey, man, it's Devin. You know, from that time you accidentally emailed me because you thought I was a different Devin. <laughs> oh, and your email signature said confidential. If you receive this in error, please delete. <laughs> That's so you. Anyway, I heard you bought a boat. When are we set in sail, Captain? <laughs> when you get a boat, you also get new friends. Make sure Progressive's one of them and get coverage today for as little as $100 a year. Oh, and uh, no, you did not receive this message in error. <laughs> Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates Annual Premium for Basic Liability Policy not available in all states. Welcome back to another sparkling edition of that Millwall podcast where we step into the lion's den with another former Millwall player. Today, we're joined by Mark Phillips, a central defender who made 74 appearances for the Lions, scoring one goal and quite a famous goal. We're going to come on and talk about that a little bit later on. How are you doing, Mark? Yeah, I'm very good. Thank you, Neil. How are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, first... First things first, you had coronavirus, I think, last April. How are you feeling? Yeah, it wasn't too great. It wasn't too great, to be honest. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit bad. My everyone tells me my vote, my kind of voice has changed from my lungs, and um, I'm definitely kind of breathing wise. It's not as comfortable still. It's, it's a weird one because I can go out on. I've been riding on my bike, kind of like hundred k rides, where you're kind of getting a good blow on and you don't feel anything, and then. Yeah, <laughs> You just say every other day you kind of feel like you've got, I don't know, almost like an asthma feeling, like your your chest is very tight, but um, it's long COVID apparently, but it, it'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the main thing. At least you're feeling all right and you got over it and there's a yeah, lot definitely. worse people off, I guess. Oh, 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 
So if we go back to the start, you grew up as a Millwall fan, didn't you? Your dad was a yeah. Millwall fan. Yes, and my dad was a big fan. Grew up in kind of Bedford. Uh, <clears throat> used to obviously sneak into the games as a kid, told me all the stories. Um, and then grew up loving football. Didn't really push me into it or anything like that. Just grew up with a ball at my feet. Loved everything about football. Uh, my old youth team, youth team manager, kind of grassroots team manager, used to take us over to the games at Millwall as well as my dad. Um, yeah, and, and loved the atmosphere. You're what's, the, what's there not to love? <laughs> the atmosphere down at the Den Conley B. And so the second kind of you're there, you're hooked. Can feel goosebumps already now, feeling remembering their memories, you know. And and so that was a special side of me growing up at the club. So, what was your first Millwall memory as such? So, probably a game uh, where, where my first memories now, kind of my my youth team youth days, and then it, I remember like just being there, there was the kind of period where where you just dream to play at the Den. So my, it's a weird one because as a player, your mind kind of goes from the fan quite early to, to being kind of a, it, it being a results business and uh, and almost like you're there to win. And so the kind of fan memories kind of disappear. But the, the, the famous games that I went to, I remember QPR, QPR down at Den, that was, that was a real kind of, the atmosphere was very tense, we say. Um, and I, lo- I love that. I love the kind of language. I love the passion. As, as a kid, looking at people's faces and how much it meant to them, you know, and you could something that you can, you can really buy into. And uh, that, that made my the, the memory that I just kind of went back to in the U Cup days even more special when it was my first kind of period playing at the den in a serious game. Yeah, well, then you were on the receiving end of the language a few years later, weren't you? Yeah, well, you're you're on the receiving end of the la- language, even when you play. Even, even, yeah, even when you play for, for Millwall. So, so again, that's just, another, that's, just another, that's just another thing you can spin a positive on because if you can play for Millwall in the good times and the bad times, it, it builds you, it builds your character, and, and it really kind of toughen, toughens you up, you know, because you've got you've got folks even with all the abuse, um, directing it in, a, in in the right way. Uh, you've still got to get on with the job, you know. So when was the first time that you came onto Millwall's radar as a youngster, as a player, if you like? So so that same kind of grassroots uh, manager, I was I was brought up in, I lived in Broccoli, played for a team called Elms in Catford. Uh, my, all the all players were all Millwall fans. Graham Craden, my, my manager, was a massive Millwall fan from Sydenham. Um, we were a very successful kind of grassroots team. We were winning London Cups, Bexley Cups, Bexley Leagues. Um, without being kind of like anyone known, really, like we were all just local lads just playing football and we were all mates. And um, so when when we were getting success, and it was over a number of years, Graham had a kind of semi-professional background, a yeah, semi-pro background. So he knew about football and he didn't want us to go into the professional game too early. So actually, the kind of Crystal Palace in Millwall, all the local teams that, that back then, because the scout network wasn't like it was now, you know, kind of on on the floor, on the foot, um, scouts who knew everyone in the area. And that's how you kind of got known, really, through reputation and consistency rather than just having a one-off good game. So Graham wouldn't let the scouts to kind of poach us or get involved. I think they're too scared to do any poaching because he's a, he's a bit of a lad, Graham. Um, but at the age of 13, that's when he said, right, the time's right now. Um, 
if you guys want to kind of take these opportunities, you can. And a guy called Mark Anderson, another local kind of Mill fan, uh, most people will know him. Um, who went on to Liverpool. I think he's just kind of just um, left Man United, but a very good scouting career. Um, took me down to uh, Mill at Southwark Park at 13 years old. Turned up there, nervous as anything. Um, and that's how it kind of began, really. I, I, days down at Southwark Park training, training in the nights. <laughs> uh, who who were your Millwall coaches back then? I guess it was Cali, was it uh, Dave Mehmet, people like that? Yeah, so, well, first of all, down at uh, Summer Park, it was rest in peace, Mickey Milo, um, and, and a kind of as a few people. It was actually Mickey Flanagan, which I first, so I, kind of from 14 years old, I was being taken out of school. They must have seen the potential, and take, I was being taken out of school in the full time youth team. Uh, so every week I've trained in the week with uh, with the kind of like, what do you call it, school boys as, as such probably now. Um, but at the weekend I'll play in the under-18 youth team with the, obviously guys who are older than me, Tim Cale, Stephen Reid, uh, Paul Eiffel, Joe Dolan, uh, Lake Ron, all, all them kind of older boys. And so Mickey Flanagan was the, uh, uh, was the youth team manager then. And then when I actually then went at 16 years old, left school and come into the youth team, uh, Kevin O'Callaghan, uh, Dave Men, uh, Rich Cadet, uh, loads of loads. Now I look back, it's the, the boys, you know, like all them kind of guys. Yeah. They're all mates, and they they were the youth team coaches. Quite a hard environment, I guess. To you were to break into and to make yourself a name. Yeah, I, I loved it. To be honest, I loved it. I've, I've, if you know back then, uh, grassroots football, you were playing on. Dog shit park, you know, um, ball <laughs> mitre, mitre tactic that would take your take your head off when life definitely take a take a leg off when you try to block a, a shot. So um, could come just to be around that kind of environment where you where you saw guys with even down to this what's made me so hungry even down to like the football boots. I of my family we could wear like thirty pounds off kind of football boots and you see these guys who had them eighty pound boots and the. Puma Kings. And yeah, the Predators, the, yeah. Yeah, Predator, all that kind of stuff and the footballs, the proper professional footballs. That that just me up and I was just hungry. I was hungry. It just made me even hungrier. And um, even back then, I, I don't know, sometimes I tell stories and I just think, how did I have the balls? Like, I'm not that person anymore, you know? Like, I was such a ballsy <laughs> kid. Like, I was I was looking at that first thing already. I, like, like I said, I've been at the mid then. I knew what it was all about. And I was so hungry to be there and play in front of them fans, you know, that, and that was my actually even from from kind of sixteen years old. That was quite a youth team to be involved in. There's some quite good players in there, weren't there? Yes, uh, it was a great team. It was a great team, um, but off the pitch as well. It was a crazy time. We, we uh, and most of the pros will tell you back then about our youth team. We'd have fights every day in the in the change room. We'd be playing two. T- we'd, we'd take a ball around with us the whole time. We'd go to college, we'd have a ball on the train, play two touch on the train. It would literally <laughs> we'd live, live with a ball in our fists because be, we'd just be we'd be cussing each other the whole day, and it just overspilled the fight, like proper fist fights. And it was it was every day. And the first team, the first team back then, there was a it wasn't a bully culture, but there was a kind of hierarchy, shall we say, with the old pros who who used to kind of. Um, you do their boots and all that kind of thing, and you had. I think that it was you'd be quite respectful to the first team, and you 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 were because obviously you, they were there where you wanted to be. They knew not to say anything, but uh, kind of 
derogatory to, to the youth team because they wouldn't they wouldn't get, get put on their ass because our, our youth team had some <laughs> tough guys. Ronnie Ball, Lake Evansu. I remember stories of just just fights all the time. It was, but it, it it brought us together and on the pitch. Some this even in training, the kind of like competition and and the tackles that were going in training, it really kind of formed you as a as as a, as a kind of I don't know your character as as a as a man. Um, because it was a pr- pretty tough environment, even though we were all mates. So, who were the hard men of that youth team? Yeah, definitely uh, Robbie Davis uh, from kind of he was from Camden Town, so he's a, uh, oh, we were all it was like a hotbed of, of of people from all the different kind of rough areas um, that that kind of come together. You know, Lake Edensee from Woolworth Road, uh, Ronnie Ball from Hackney. Ronnie Ball for some famous stories go around about Ronnie. What what a guy, top guy, could break your legs, no problem in in in, in training. Uh, there was a famous one with Paul <laughs> I called it. He done he he done. We had a circle. And we'd all just broken into the first team. Ronnie was a year two years older than me, so they were kind of on the cusp of playing or or played a couple of games. I was still just training, and there was a circle. And he and he he done this. He he was a hothead. So this day he done. Uh, Paul Eiffel, done Paul Eiffel, like a proper dangerous tackle could have put him out for months. And uh, again, it was, it was how, how the, even the managers were a little bit nervous of us. So um, Steve Grit goes, what, what, what are you doing, Ron? Like, you need broke his leg. Ronnie just turned around and goes, fuck off, you Jasper, like, Jasper Carrot looking cunt. Like fucking, and just stormed, stormed in, just marched in. He knew he was going to get sent in from training, just marched in. <laughs> that was them. Them kind of stories are just, just regular day. Just Jasper carried the, the assistant manager off. Like not, not even like he's a youth team manager. He's the assistant manager first team, uh, and that was just yeah. One of the was. nicest blokes in football. Yeah, yeah Steve Grit actually one of the nicest blokes in yes. football. I've spoke yes. to him on a number of occasions for various things. Always got time for you. One of the hands down. Y- Difficult to find anybody to have a bad word to say yeah, about Steve. No, Steve <laughs> absolute legend, and even even then, Millwall days, the guy was that he he would probably go down as one of my best coaches in my career because the time he took aside, so we would train, and then Gritty would have us younger guys, and this is, uh, this is probably testament to how why Leon Court done so well. Even though he got released because it was a bad time at the Millwall, he went on to have a great career in the Premier League because Gritty, me, him. Uh, all the kind of reserve boys got taken aside every afternoon and agreed put the time and effort in to uh, to kind of give us extra training. And throughout my career, that's, that's that was a rare kind of thing. You know, you'd have to go and do that by yourself. You wouldn't. Not many managers or assistant managers would go out and do extras with him. So gritty. And I, I, I obviously ended my career was absolutely with him. Uh, great guy. Yeah. Okay. Run, run, that that was it. It wasn't personal. It was just the way people's characters was. It, it was all back, like I made up afterwards, but just. Very fiery. Yeah, they're all boys from rough and ready areas of London, really, weren't they? Yeah, where they say it the way it is. 100%. 100%. And I think that's why we got so success, because there was an honesty, integrity, um, kind of hard endeavour, hard work. And people dig each other on the pitch. If you weren't working, um, even Mickey Flanagan, we would run on a Friday. It's unheard of in football. And on a Friday, we would do the most ridiculous running. And I look back at it with, with love. We were we 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 were the fittest youth team guys around, you know, and um, you, you you could put an element of that down to the kind of time and luck. But look at the boys that went on from that youth team and the careers they had: Stephen Reed, Tim Cahill, 
Um, it's just, you know, even Paul Eiffel, um, loads of them. Yeah, can you imagine them doing it now? No, you're no, down the youth team, down, you're down in the academy, you go and run for three miles on a Friday. Yeah, no, 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 it's, it's not done. And, 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 I, and I believe for the better with a lot of things, but do you know what? It was, it was, it was my experience and my kind of journey, and, and I loved it, and every part of it. So I think you signed professional in, what, May 2000? That must have been a fantastic moment for you and your family. Yeah, so come, obviously coming in, at, uh, still got a picture of when I signed my kind of schoolboy uh, forms at a den uh, with my dad there. And, and that that was the hunger, even being on there on that day. Um, I was just des- I was just desperate. And it's, it's a weird, it's another one where, where my kind of, I don't know if my confidence or what, but the professional deal was almost a stepping stone to me playing that team again. So I knew I'd put in the hard work. I grew, you wouldn't believe to make the pro the kind of graft and dedication and focus and sacrifice you have to put in. I loved it because it was just me and I loved working hard. Um, but it was almost accumulation. Yeah, that's, that's almost like, great. I've got to be a pro to play in that team. But ultimately, I was looking at kind of Stuart Nevercott, um, Sean Dice, all, all the kind of players, um, Scott Fitzgerald, look at them thinking, I want your place kind of thing. Like, oh, that's where I want to be. And 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 so yeah. what the, the professional deal was, a, a, it was obviously a, it was an unbelievable moment, but it was a pathway to where I wanted to be. And even there was a story behind that. And I don't know how I got the confidence for that because um, at that time, there was a lot of kind of Irish boys that were over and they were, some of them were being given like two-year YTSs and a guarantee pro. And I remember being raging with that, like thinking, I'm grafting my balls off here every day. I'm making this happen. And some people have been giving it already. You know, like there was a little bit of resentment, which which, which added an element of, of, probably added an element of urgency and, and the fact that I should be getting it. But then there was one day that there's a rumour going around. I was, um, there was only two of us in our youth team got a pro. And it, a professional contract back then was, was, it was the it was the pinnacle because it was there was yeah. years where where no one got a pro there was years where one player got a pro two maybe maximum you know if you had a real unique year maybe I don't know maybe maybe Paul Eiffel uh, Stephen Reed Lake Dunsey's year got a free because they were an exceptional year you've not had a, had a year like that at Millwall ever since really to, with three three or four unbelievable players so um, the rumor went round oh Alan Dunn like, he wasn't meant to tell anyone but he come down and goes oh, I've got a pro. I, was, I remember being buzzing for him, but um, I was thinking, is this, a, is this fucking a piss take? Like, why am Where's my pro? Like, I'm fucking grafted every day. And I remember being really raging about it, and I, and I stormed straight up, straight up to the, the, the manager's office, knocked on the door. I don't know how I worded it, because obviously it was years ago, but I was like, is this true? And they, they were like, uh, yeah. I said, well, am I getting a pro then? Because I'm not waiting to the end of the season to find out. <laughs> and they went, oh, we well, we shouldn't really t- we shouldn't really tell you, Mark. But yeah, you you've got a professional deal as well. And I remember walking out like with a, with, a, with the biggest smile on my face ever, you know. But <laughs> looking back, I, I wouldn't have known if I hadn't got up there and knocked on that day out of anger. Um, I wouldn't even even known. So you came through with Alan Dunn. Yeah, but well, that must have been a fun experience. Yeah, me and me and me and Alan were were the. Um, were the only pros. Um, Paul Robbo got a uh, he got a third year, so he got he then got professional after next year, uh, end of the next season. Um, but yeah, yeah, me and Dunny grew, grew up as um, probably probably the kind of closest mates in that team. Um, 
some experiences on and off the pitch, obviously. Um, he, he was from Highbury, so he used to go up, up kind of go up and to his area in Highbury and cause carnage. And then, then it, it'd be local in digs <laughs> and there'd be carnage calls around here as well. Uh, so, yeah, good times. And um, yeah, with the Irish guys, I guess that was what Sads, Mark Hicks, people like that. Yeah, Sads was a bit older, he was a few years old. He's kind of the older one in, a, in that kind of group. Um, yeah, Mark Hicks. Uh, Kevin Braniff, uh, who else was there on there? There's another crazy guy um, who used to play guitar everywhere. What's his name? Kieran. Kieran used to, he used to get his guitar out and start singing on the train down to Peck and Rye. And, <laughs> and he had a, a, a yeah, yeah, it's a funny guy. He lived, do you remember Stephen Roach? Yep. Stephen Roach was an unbelievable player, but loved to drink. And I think that's probably his. his a little bit too much of a drink he liked and Rhino and Alan McClear used to try to look after him so much but he he was a great guy and he looked after us so we'd on an afternoon we'd he'd take us and we'd we'd be in the like pub playing the fruit machines and, and, and pole all day while he, I was oblivious to the drinking that was going on around us um, but yeah he, he lived with uh, with Kieran <laughs> which was a strange combo <laughs> So the geezer gets a guitar out on the middle of the train. The rest of you are fighting. Well, what did the commuters think? They must have thought... Yeah, fight, fighting and playing two-touch. Playing two-touch was basically <laughs> keep it uppy. It was keep it uppy. Uh, you had two touches to keep it in the air, maximum, and you had two lives. So you had to... You, you basically keep the first touch with a ball coming at you 100 miles an hour. So your touch had to be good. <laughs> 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 on on the on the on the on the little doorway, the cube uh, kind of communal area on the trains by the doors, with about six of you, and then everyone going mental when 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 you get like the ball smashed and you lost lost a life, and then the arguments would start <laughs> over a confrontation whether it was a fair one because because the balls kicked you so hard, some of them were like full volleys from four yards in like your face, <laughs> to because if you're pissed off you just lever it them. And then you'd be expected to control it. So then when you weren't happy that you didn't control it, the fight would then up, yeah. But <laughs> you, do you ever get kicks off a train or anything like that? I think there was a story when I was wasn't present, but, but I can't remember it too too good, yeah. So I wouldn't want to chat about it. But there was a <laughs> there was an incident, yeah. So yeah, we're just typical Millwall, isn't it? Yeah, well we'd behave off yeah, well we misbehave off the pitch. And you got we, we, yeah, well, we, you've got a load of apprentices that yeah, we were a bit kids, lively. Really, no. Yeah, we were kids. We were kids, so it was, it was all part and parcel growing up, you know, making mistakes. It could be worse things we were doing than playing two-touch on a train, you know? <laughs> Leathering at each other's boat races from yeah, three, yeah. four yards away, yeah. <laughs> so once you signed professional, you kind of accelerated then towards the first team, didn't you? Yeah, I made my debut... Um, I made Against my debut. North yeah, I'd actually made a debut before that when I was, I think that was not when I was 19, but I'd actually made a debut when I was 18 against Rushton and Diamonds in the Cup, um, which I, again, I didn't class it as my full debut because it was like the league was the holy grail, you know? So, so I, I, I played, a, I played that game, which, um, it was a nice little stadium, Rushton and Diamonds at, at the time. It was brand new. I think they were pumped loads of money and they were doing pretty well. Um, but then Preston, Preston away was my my uh, debut, my full league debut, and um, I was um, 
yeah, I remember it fondly because uh, Gordon Strachan came into the change room. Mark McGee gave me my debut. Really, I like Mark, good good guy, support our youngsters a lot. Um, and Gordon Strachan came in the change room because they were best mates. And I, I remember I put my boots, I'm lacing my boots up, and um, I, 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 I used to only wear moulded football boots. And um, it was mainly because the studs used to really hurt my feet back then. So I'd, I'd wear moulds, whatever, whatever the weather was. And I, I, I never really slipped at, it at all. So it wasn't a problem for me. I played loads of games on really boggy pitches. I didn't slip. Um, I don't know if it was my balance or, or what. But um, I remember lacing my studs up, literally got to go out and play. Like, not warm up the play. And, and then Tim Kale comes home and goes, you got moulds on, Mark. Like, what are you doing? So, yeah, I always, always, always wear moulds, mate. Said, it's your debut, you can't slip, like, you've got to wear studs. I went, no, I'm all right, don't worry about it. And then next thing you know, another pro comes up to me, you've got moulds on. And the next thing you know, I've got about four or five pros one at a time going, you wear moulds, and then now they're in my head. And I'm thinking, am I going to slip? I can't slip in my debut. I'm kind of questioning myself now. And I end up, um, Tim Cale gave me his boots. And uh, he had very, very strange feet, almost like kangaroo feet, you know, like, like they were curled up at the front. And... Uh, <laughs> And um, I remember looking and thinking, oh, I don't really want to wear them. Like I'm going to have bendy feet when I kick the ball and stuff. And then, <laughs> and um, obviously, yeah, unbelievable spring, like renowned spring and timing of, of the headers and stuff like that, didn't he? So I wore them, and the, the game the game went really well. And then uh, I got cramp in both casts on, on the kind of I think it was like 75th minute through <laughs> wearing these kind of like kangaroo feet, I call them. Yeah, that's come off. And, the ball, uh... so. Yeah, I think it was a 1-0 defeat, wasn't it? I think they scored quite early on, Ian Anderson. Yeah, yeah 1-0 defeat. I remember even then I, was, I, was, I wasn't I was really happy with... Obviously, I wanted a clean sheet on a debut. I wanted a clean sheet and score a goal. Every, every, everyone wants that, you know. <laughs> um, but but I remember conceding that goal and I remember being raging with um, with the older pros. And obviously, I, I was in no position to start saying anything to the older pros. But I was... I was, I was Again, it was my debut, but I was really disappointed that day. I think you were replaced by Christoph Kinnang. Yeah, I think, I think Matt Lawrence went to right back. Um, they sh- shuffled things around a bit. Obviously, Christoph, what a great player, <laughs> player Christoph is. <laughs> yeah, superb lad, wasn't he? I, uh, I can remember chatting to him at away games around about that time. Complete yeah, one-off. Right. This Belgium just pitches up at Millwall. Yeah, another older pro that used to look after us really well. He was he, he was almost was he he was only a bit old than us, and because he's so small, you saw him as just as just as one of your mates. And then it it, it you go around his house and he'd spark up a fag, and you'd be like, "What's going on here? Are we, are we allowed to do this?" <laughs> I remember us getting I remember us getting caught one day at McDonald's line. That uh, Alan McCleary was driving down the road as we were about to walk walk into McDonald's, and he pulled over and was like. <laughs> Absolutely not. You're not going in there. And we're like, oh, shit, we're in trouble. We're, we're for a McDonald's and Christos sparking up a fag. <laughs> Blimey. Yeah, we weren't ever the bravest player, I must admit. But Christ almighty, he had some skill, didn't he? Yeah, the delivery of that left foot was, was phenomenal. And uh, so I think, so when did you know that you were actually going to make your debut? When did Mark McGee tell you? It was the day before training. Yeah, it was the day before. Some some people kind of, yeah, particularly with your debut, they want to give you a little bit of warning because you're buzzing and then the nerves kick in, you know, overnight. And 
this is what you've built up to and now it's happening. It, it can be quite a nerve-wracking experience, you know, um, but that's where the training kicks in and the experience of playing games and you just got to try to be really, really level-headed um, and professional about it because this is now your moment. You've got to take it. And at least you had enough time to get the family up there. I guess all the family were up there, Millwall fans. Yeah, yeah. Well, throughout the years playing for Millwall, you always be playing and then giving people be shouting, like, you know, when it goes a little bit silent uh, for a throne or something like that, and people shouting your name out and you'd give them a little thumbs up, you know. So <laughs> you try not to. It's a weird one because I look back now and I give my mates a thumbs up, but then I'll tell, like, when I see my dad or something like that, I'd be like, oh, shut up, dad. <laughs> you, your old man leading the abuse when you do something wrong that must have been <laughs> oh yeah 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 no 100% it, it's been, I've, I've heard that stories very like this so I've, I remember many games like kind of a point where you'd be taking abuse or, or you'd be kind of 1-0 down or something like that and the team would be getting some stick and you'd look up and you'd see your best mate well, I remember seeing my uncle once, you know, and you'd be like, you just shake your head laughing. Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is the Millwall. The mouth spit coming everywhere, you know? Like, <laughs> you fucking wanker, Phillips. And you look over and it's your one. uncle, bloody. You fucking lazy bastard. Typical yeah. Millwall, isn't it? Yeah. And so do you, so do you just, Try not to let things like that affect you, and 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 do you just think, oh, just get on with it? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Because if you let it bother you, um, it's going to affect your performance, isn't it? So you've got yeah. to be professional. You've 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 been at the den enough to know no one's safe. Everyone's going to get some stick at some point, even if you're you're a legend. Like you could name all the legend players, Kitchener. Uh, Rhino, all them players, they would have taken stick at some point, you know, and that's just the way it is. So um, you take the good the, the support because the support's unbelievable. As, as as you know, as a Millwall fan, like playing at them when 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 the crowd's behind you, there's nothing better. It's more like a more like a thirteenth man than a than a twelfth man, you know. Um, so that really makes a difference. You, you you wouldn't believe how much that kind of adds to the kind of even when you're tired, to keep on going, keep on going, get that kind of draw, get that win, whatever it is, you know. So, so, it, and a lot of times, there's a lot of games I can talk about where you'd be communicating to your teammate. I remember one at, at West Ham and stuff, at, and with that, like Darren Walls uh, next to me as my centre back partner, we couldn't even hear each other. I could, I had no voice after the games, and that happened, that happened a lot from the crowd being so loud that you couldn't even communicate because you had to shout so loud because because the atmosphere was unreal. And, you know, the language, it's just an affection of love down at Millwall, isn't it? It's just the way that people express themselves and uh, they don't mean actually, anything you, bad by you've it. Actually, you've actually just made me uh, laugh. And I, I apologise for telling this story to, to the guy. But we, we used to talk about this guy. He used to sit. He used to sit behind the home dugout on the right and he'd sit there and <laughs> we used to laugh going, what's wrong with these people? Like, he, he was there at the manager, the home manager, didn't matter, and I watched for years, like, didn't matter who you were, he'd stare that whole, and his poor daughter would be next to him, we'd, we'd say that, and I do apologise to the guy, if he's watching, but he'd stare at the manager the whole 90 minutes, and then when a goal would go in, it'd be, you fucking cunt, you this, you that, it'd be the worst language known to, known to man, his daughter, who was about six years old, would be sitting next to him, and he, had, he, he didn't even watch the game, 
the irony, he wouldn't even watch the game, you know, like he'd just be <laughs> waiting for their moments to abuse the manager. And we used to sit there just cracking up at him. I'm going back to where we were kind of like youth team boys and where, where we wouldn't, because we'd have to go to every game. We'd have to watch, like clean the change rooms out till midnight after a game on a Tuesday night, then get the train home. So we, we'd talk about it on the train home and go, do you see him this week? Do you see him this week? <laughs> <laughs> laughing about it. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, well, I guess as the youth team players, you were stuck behind the dugouts, weren't you, in yeah. that kind of area? Yeah, well, if you but weren't got, doing ball ball duty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I got to see the Ramon Vega abuse, which was quite funny as well, that when, when he was, when we played Tottenham, I think it was Tottenham, or was he at, did he go Burnley or something like that? <clears throat> I can't remember, but he was behind, he was sitting with the players that didn't, weren't included behind the away dugout. There was an incident, shall we say, that went on there where fans, I think, had to be restrained to get to him. He, he had actually answered back rather than sat there and took the abuse. Yeah, was that when he was at Watford? Was it Watford, was it? Yeah, I can't, can't remember, but yeah. He... Yeah, it could have been because he played in the Harris game, didn't he, where Harris scored the scored the, scored the the memorable goal. Yeah, 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 in the green kit. So... I think you only made one first-team appearance in that debut season and we finished in the playoffs. That must have been quite frustrating in many ways because you'd made your debut and then you have to sit back and watch it for the rest of the season. Yeah. <clears throat> I can't remember too much about that kind of season, but yeah, it was it was obviously a team full of experienced pros, you know. Um, I was doing well. Um, I think the fact that that I, I went off with cramp at 75 minutes. I remember being disappointed by that. that I did last the 90 minutes, you know, and really imposed myself on the game like I, I knew I could. But I got put at right back. So I made my debut at right back. Um, so I think that right was... Right back? Yeah. So obviously I was... I was I could play right back, but I was more, I was more of a centre-half by that point. Um, so I think maybe the, 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 the player, obviously, who was playing right back got fit or something like that or or they went with experience. But again, it just made me hungry, you know, that I'd had that taste, uh, that taste, and, and and I was now even hungrier to, to be part of that and play with them guys. I remember being, obviously, I've never kind of physically, physically big, but I was I remember being almost like a boy to some of them, particularly Preston players who were some real units in that team. And I remember thinking, I've got I've got up my game here as well. Yeah, that was the likes of Sean Gregan, I think, and people like that, weren't they? Absolute yeah, animals are players, and yeah, I don't mean that in a bad way, Sean. If you're listening, <laughs> yeah, 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 no, no, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. But these were typical northern teams, hairy, weren't they? Hairy, yeah. hairy northern folks, yeah, 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 exactly. No, no, yeah, but they no. weren't like, yeah, well, they. You were leaving the kids off the estates in London were afraid to go up north then, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, I used to love it. But I thought I, I, I didn't care about it. As you know, I played against some huge players over the years, but just, just tear into them. Didn't care. But I thought I've, I've got up my game a little bit here just to, to get get on these, because these are men. I'm still a kind of boy. But yeah, no, it was, it was a great experience and I was hungry for more. So then we finish in the playoffs and I think... Was that the season that Mark McGee actually left the club? I think he left at the end of that or towards that season. Dennis Wise, yeah, Dennis Wise coming as a eventually player. came in, yeah, he coming as a player initially, and then took over as, as manager. Um, and Dennis, if you if you if if he liked you, you 
it was the best thing ever. But obviously, he had, he had the other side where he was very ruthless as well. But for me, Dennis, Dennis, we got on really, really well. Him and Ray, uh, again, really looked after our youngsters. And it was always young, young versus older ones on a Friday or the day before a game. And Dennis would be in our team. Um, at that point, we had some really good youngsters around the first team, you know. And again, it, it was... Kevin Muscat, great guy, he used to really look after us, and that's when I've really made an impact in a, in a, in a team. It was a side that was built on players that had come through the system at Millwall, really, wasn't it? With the old sprinkling of your likes, your Dennis Wise brought in, Steve Claridge brought in, experienced players, weren't they? Yep, yeah, Danny Dicchio. Yeah. Kevin Muscat. Barry Hales, yeah. Tony Warner in goal, I think he was. Or was it um, Marsh? Was it Marsh by then? I'm not too sure. Um, but, you yeah, know, it was, it, was, it was a really good team. And do you know what? I look back and, and, and it, was a, it, was a season, it was a season I loved. And that's probably my highlight at Millwall that season, going away to them huge games, playing regularly, playing regularly. I played quite a few games that year and really cementing my place, you know, um, and, and, and being an up-and-coming youngster that was they, they put faith in. and. We just loved training. They made training fun. It was a real good kind of atmosphere around the club, which Dennis and, and Ray really worked on, and they knew that would get success. Um, and we would all have socials all together as, as kind of wives, girlfriends, the whole thing. A lot of socials with with just the guys, and they really brought together with with them older heads in the team looking after us. Um, and that that's there's some kind of memorable moments that leads away when. When a kind of coach used to get attacked, because I think there was a thing with Jody, was it Dennis Wise or Jody Morris? I think it was Jody Morris. That that, that again that added some spice. Being on the being on being on buses every other week with police kind of guiding you in because your bus was going to attack, get attacked with bricks and stuff. In <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. It just kind of added to the whole kind of war. I don't know war mentality. You know that I was I was there going to do a job and I was in a fight. I was in a battle. So that 2002-2003 season was actually when you played at Russian and Diamonds. I've just quickly looked it up. So yeah, your debut was actually at Preston. That was yeah, your I first was. match. And then yeah. you played at Rushton in the League I Cup, afterwards. I think it was, that season. And uh, so you just started to make the breakthrough a little bit more at the start of that season. You did play at right back, actually, at Rushton. And then you kind of got into the team. I think you're partnering Stuart Nethercott, weren't you, by then? Yeah, yeah. There was, there was Nevers, uh, uh, Darren Ward, a lot, May Lawrence at times. Um, so yeah, no, no. Again, experience played with them guys would really kind of help. Not so much help you through it, like you didn't help, but really kind of give you little gems and, and seeds that would help you kind of learn the game and and and. and learn how these kind of experienced players, you're playing against in the Championship, you're playing against guys who are either going to go to the Premiership or have been in a Premiership, you know, particularly yeah. strikers, because that's the money position. So you're playing against some real big names. Um, and, and and yeah, they're, they're, they're good battles. You're, you're playing in front of up to, up to kind of, not Leeds, 40,000 plus each week, you know. So um, just a great time to be at the club. Just loved it. Just loved everything about it. that. Was my boyhood dream coming true that year? Playing in front of them, them, them kind of the fans coming to the den, the some of the games, the West Ham games. They they were highlight for me the, the West Ham games. And then, if we, you'd make the breakthrough. You were starting to make a bit of progress, and then I think you got injured against Gillingham. 
over Christmas, didn't you? Yeah, the, the, that was kind of a bit of a bit of a negative theme throughout my time at Millwall, and they they, they were not they weren't kind of messing around. I, I showed so much potential. There was there was so much there was kind of talk about me kind of doing well. There was there was sniffs of Premiership clubs when I was when I was doing well, but I done my cruciate cruciate ligament, um, which again at that time I was really really hungry. Um, I was really, I was quite fast. I had a really unique running style, but I was, I was, I was very fast. And um, I used to pull my hamstrings a lot, a lot. And it would be at first before I made that breakthrough season with with uh, Mark McGee, I'd, I'd be played kind of like four or five games, and then I pull my hamstring. So the kind of reoccurring theme, which I had to take some time out for a while. That's that's why there's big gaps between my kind of uh, games and things like that, down to these injuries, hamstrings particularly. For, first of all. And then I came out, overcome that, um, and then the, and the kind of serious like crucial ligaments, um, and even played with uh, burst appendicitis, burst appendix later in, on in my before I left. Uh, does it make you wonder what might have been if it hadn't have been for all those injuries? Yeah, maybe you should have carried on with the kangaroo boots. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. There's, there, there's an element when I look back at my time, Mill, and 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 kind of say what could have been. But um, I think I think you can't, you, your journey is your journey, you know. Like my, my, that's what it was at the time. It wasn't like I was doing anything less than I need to. I was there all day, every day, working hard, working off the pitch. So then, at the time nowadays, with the the sports science in the game. Yeah, maybe things could have been different. There would have probably been a team around me that would have looked after me, um, worked on kind of like some in, in, insecurities in terms of your movement patterns. And the games now evolve so much. Um, these are the things that players get nowadays. They, they, they're taking aside individual programs. They've got an individual person working with them each day, you know, on these injury pre- prevention uh exercise and things like that um, even down to kind of get going into laboratories and computers and watching you do certain movements to then kind of look at look at en- injuries that may potentially occur in the future or down the line you know and so, so that again that's they're all what ifs so there's no there's no regrets on my side I'm I'm, I'm, I'm totally aware that I could have gone on to to, to to better things well not better things because Mill was my highlight you know um, but but higher leagues or, or bigger clubs, whatever way you want to call it. Um, but my journey was my journey and I loved every minute of it, even if there was tough times, which ultimately formed me as a, as a, as my character, as me as a, me as a, as a human, you know, because there was some tough times during them injuries. Was it quite tough having to watch the cup final? Because you were still at the club then. That, I think that, you that, made that your own appearance. That was the cruciate year, yeah, the cup final. That was... That was that was really frustrating because uh, there was a few a few um, a few of the boys were included. Um, that's when Dennis Wise first took over. So uh, I was I remember not obviously I didn't expect to because I was out for I think six or six or seven months that I was out with the cruise ship. I think it's the minimum six months you're in. But the same thing was, and I I obviously wasn't involved in the squad for the for the day or got a suit or anything like that. And I remember that being quite painful and I thinking. I'm going to really attack this next season when I come back. I can't do anything wrong. I haven't got a squad because the numbers and everything like that, and I'm injured. That was then the season after that I really kind of hit the ground running and really made the impact, impact in the team. And it's arguably, arguably we could have could have made it to the Premiership if, or the playoffs for the Premiership is probably more realistic if if we'd 
beaten some of the small teams in the league, which we didn't. So did you go? So did you go down to the cup final as a fan? Yeah, well, no, I was there. I was there with the club, but wasn't in the in the squad. So they have to name a certain amount of players. I can't remember how many it was. Yeah, right, Twenty, yeah. twenty, twenty-one. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, so I was there with the club, obviously with with family and everything like that. Uh, but watching as as a, yeah, as a fan and supporting your mates and, and your teammates, you know, because when you're off the pitch, you learn very very early. So it's no good seeing that stand being all negative and oh, I should be out there, all that kind of attitude because it actually affects yourself. You need to be the supporting behind the boys, a good guy in a chain because ultimately the team is successful, you're successful, you know. So you've got to be you've got to be behind them whether you're on the pitch or not. But part of your mind. It's just human nature, isn't it? You're sitting there, you must be thinking, that could be me if it wasn't yeah. for this injury. Yeah. That's yeah, just that's a natural that. human thing, isn't it? Yeah, but I'm a strong believer in, in, in how, how you how you kind of uh, channel them emotions and feelings, you know? And obviously it was frustration, it was anger, it was it was a kind of upset. Um, but only I can only do well if I then channel them emotions into success. So I, it just fueled the fight to work even harder. And yes, I probably at that point realised that the, the, the kind of things were against me with all these injuries, you know, in the background, it's creeping up. When am I going to have a good run? When am I not going to be injured, you know? You can't focus on them negatives and you've just got to give it the best you can. And that's when the next season I really gave it a go. I come back stronger. There was a period actually I come back too strong because I, I hadn't been on the foot pitch. All you can do is pump weights. So for a slight guy like me, I was pushing like 120 kilograms on a on a bench press, which is unheard of because I channeled my energy into the gym. So when I come back, yeah. if you got within arm's reach, you couldn't get around me. But if you went any further, I couldn't move. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, Robocop. So, yeah, yeah, literally. And it's like, took, I remember being on the bike one day and, and Bray Wilkins goes, Fuck me! What's happened to you, fucking Hulk? Like I remember thinking, yeah, I, I actually, actually, I, I, and yeah, but it took a few months to then adjust and drop the weight, lose lose some muscles, and then and and then kind of get that balance, you know, of strength and and and, and agility, really, because the bigger you are, the less agile I find you are. Yeah, and uh, so that two thousand four two thousand five season, I think it was probably you made your most appearances. I think you played twenty five games that season. Yeah, that's the one I was referring to with Dennis and Ray, uh, where we could have could have could have made made me the playoffs for the Premier League, and then who knows? So, if, so if you were bulking up, you must have been quite good at the boxing training. Well, it depends what boxing you, you're talking about. Whether it's the whether it's the unlicensed boxing fights that used to happen in the in the physio room <laughs> that I was part part of the organisation on, or. <laughs> or, or the boxing match on the train, or one of the pre-season camps, which, which which we went to. Yeah, I think it was Darren Ward was telling us in another one of these about how Dennis introduced boxing into training, and nobody wanted to fight Kevin Braniff because apparently he was a bit handy. Well, them Kevin Braniff stories come from uh, from the kind of. Unlicensed, obviously. We so we used to put in the physio room after we used to put the mats around the physio room, uh, uh, kind of walls, and we come in. So I think someone brought in some boxing gloves, and if you had an argument, if you had a dispute or anything like that, you just say we'll get the boxing gloves on, and you put the that was our safety measures. So you put the you put the mats around, 
um, just in case someone fell over and bashed their head. You know, that was the safety to end. You just have a fight. <laughs> Every, everyone would come and watch and you just have a fight. So I think Kevin Braniff, yeah, Kevin, Kevin Braniff done quite well in that. And then he obviously the 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 story was when he I think he fought Robbie Ryan in the in the training sessions with Dennis. And uh, that's Robbie, right, yeah. Yeah, and then Robbie ended up like, kind of like not winning anymore. <laughs> I, think, I, I think I think Braniff had done a bit of boxing back in his in his younger days, you know. So he was the one who nobody wanted to come up against. Not sure. Not sure. Not sure, it was nobody. Nobody want to come up against because most people quite game, you know. But <laughs> probably would have probably would have got put on a ass, <laughs> even if he had stepped in the ring with him. Yeah, we can only imagine this happening at Millwall, can't you? The physios' rooms transformed into a boxing ring after training for you to iron out your to iron out your disputes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 to be fair, that the, the physio room was the hub of hub of shenanigans. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, was that Bobby? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, we used to call him Bobby Backache back then. Was that? Him or was it no, Gary Doherty back then? Jerry, Jerry Doherty. Great walk. Jerry Doherty, that's yeah, right. Jerry Doherty was a, was a physio for, for a number of years, years and years and years. He's a great guy, Jerry. Um, uh, yeah, so that would have been that time. Uh, oh, Bobby Backett come in under. Um, it was kind of. I think he towards, came in a little bit later, didn't he? Yeah, yeah a, lot, a lot later, yeah, when the kind of chat managers were changing all the time, that, 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 that kind of period. <laughs> So what happened to the physio when you, you when you commandeered his room? No wonder no buckle was ever fit. It was more in the it was more in the yeah it was more in the gym <coughs> than the than the physio room. <laughs> Jerry wouldn't have that. Jerry 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 was not well. Jerry was I'm I'm have seen Jerry chasing <laughs> play. He chased. He was very serious about his job. Very serious and and he was and if you didn't he, if he felt you weren't taking it seriously, you were getting told. Or you were getting a punch. Like, I remember him chasing Joe Dolan around the room one day. When I clock out of the hospital at 6 p.m., I'm not done for the night. That's when Gamer Nurse 40 clocks in, and she's got orcs to slay. Sure, I'm playing a 13-year-old in Scranton, but he's a level 53 mage with a filthy mouth. So I need to stay on top of my game. What'd you call me? That's when I crack open a Heineken Zero Zero. Zero alcohol, but just as refreshing. So I can focus on stealing his gold before his mom tells him it's bedtime. Take that, kids. Heineken Zero Zero. 0.0% alcohol. Now you can. Must be 21 plus to purchase. Enjoy responsibly. Progressive is America's number one motorcycle insurer, so we understand motorcycles. No, really, we have a bike translator. Uh, okay, this is awkward, but this bike says he'd appreciate it if you removed his skull pattern saddlebags. <laughs> he feels self-conscious about them around all the other bikes, and he says you're not fooling anyone. You mostly ride with your golfing buddies. <laughs> Listen, I'm just the messenger here. Oh, no, I don't want to say that. I think you made yourself clear. Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. And remember, remember, people, when you're when you're out for so long, kind of six month periods, that kind of time, which some injuries are, you're in yeah. day. It's almost like a relationship with your missus, but you can you can attack this person because they're a bloke. <laughs> so so yeah. you're you're, you're um you there's a there's a range of emotions. Some days you're coming in really angry, frustrated. Some days you're buzzing to work, you know. And and Jerry, what, what expected the highest standard of work, work, work every day. So when there might be an off day. Is, is the day like Josie Joe was out a long time. He was obviously frustrated. He had a broken leg. 
he'd done a cruciate twice as well. I think it was two broken legs in there. So he would have off, yeah. all have off days, you know. And I think on this off day, Joe hadn't taken everything Jerry said to the exact word words. And with Joe's running around with knee braces, and having an operation two weeks earlier, getting attacked by Jerry, and that was just that, that was just standard procedure, you know. <laughs> Typical Millwall, really, wasn't it? A tough Glaswegian. I think he was Glaswegian, Jerry, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, f- physio <laughs> chasing around players with broken limbs. <laughs> so that season, there was a pretty memorable game. And I think you might know what game we're going to talk about on the 4th of December 2004. Mr. Warnock pitches up with a camera crew in tow. And uh, quite an interesting game, that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, Fields United. So, throughout the whole season, I was playing at, I was playing at a right, kind of, we played a back three. So, I was playing at the right of a back three. And Kevin Muscat was the kind of wing back on the right with me. So, me and him had a really good relationship. We are really well. And Kevin is the nicest guy in the world. Uh, he looked after you. Like he'd always be buying the drinks in the bar for the youngsters. He was a great guy. Uh, on the pitch, it turned into an absolute. No, I wouldn't say lunacy because it, it was all it, yeah, madman. It was all controlled, but unbelievable player. But he was he was well up for the he was well up for the fight and the battle. Um, so even I remember Sunderland away was it Tarico who was quite a good player and almost like it was it was them old school stories that you'd hear like look like, I'm good from the throw in. I'm going to stand his toes. You rake your studs down his Achilles. Like, this was all... Kevin, Muzzy was telling me to do that. And I, I, I'm lucky. That's not my game. And I've always found my career, where the young, if I start getting involved in the chat, so the verbal bullshit, or the kind of like, purposely, physically going to kind of hurt someone or put in a bad tackle, it always come off negatively against me and it take my mind off the game. So, I love the tackle, but it would, I knew in a 90-minute game, I'd get two or three opportunities to win that ball and make the tackle, you know? So why would I risk getting a yellow card or sent off when I can smash someone barely? So I, I, <laughs> that was my that was my mentality. So I used to go, no, Muzzy, no, no, I'm not getting involved. I, I'll, I'll just play my game. Muzzy would be there, like, standing their toes, grabbing their nipples, like, pulling their hair, all sorts of stuff. Like, the stuff I saw is brilliant. I'd be chuckling on the pitch the whole time. Um, <laughs> so, so that game at Sheffield, I didn't know. Apparently, there was a previous. I don't know what had happened or what. Um, but yeah, as at, at half time, it was nil nil. Um, was it nil nil or was it one nil? I, I yeah, no, it was nil nil. Yeah, yeah, it was nil nil. Yeah, it was nil nil. So I we we were walking into the tunnel and Muzzy goes to me, get get round me, Mark. And uh, I don't know. I, I'm probably not going to say too much because obviously the the real version of events I don't think has ever ever gone out there and I was probably the only one who was witness to it um, but there was an altercation in terms of we walked down the tunnel Kevin Musker may have may have stood on his Achilles uh, as we're going into the, as, as we're going into the, the tunnel um, I think Paddy Kenny said a few words before that to him um, and then you're another shy and retiring character. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So <laughs> the, 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 yeah, so the, 
the kind of confrontation started. I was already told to be there, so I was I was there, and I was the first on the scene basically. <laughs> and and <laughs> before before all hell looked broke loose. And and they ended up getting sent off, I think, didn't they? Yeah, I thought I thought we were going to get away with it because again, these things happened. These things would ha- did happen in the change rooms. Um, I remember one away, particularly away me with me and Bayerwick and Fenwar away um, at Swansea when from Millwall, uh, the biggest unit ever, who would absolutely eat me alive and spat me out. But I was game. There was no way I was backing down from it. But these, these things would just would just happen. That it, it's a it is a kind of an aggressive sport, whether you you like it or not, it is. There is a lot of aggression in it, so yeah, that 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 kicked off. I thought we were going to get away with it, and because because there's so many people in it, you know, and no one really knows. Like I said, even though we're walking tunnel, it's only me, Muzzy, and um, uh, Paddy Kenny that really. I don't think Paddy Kenny, from looking reading the stories, I really know knew what went on, you know, uh, <laughs> because because he was on I think on the receiving end of it, but. Um, but yeah, it was carnage, and then the referee, I think through hearsay more than anything, sent them both off, um, and both teams down to ten men, and they they had filled Jagielka in goal from then, who had an absolute welding. In fact, I think Warnock was losing his shit, wasn't he, in the tunnel? Because he had the TV cameras there. The TV cameras were following for some kind of documentary. I was watching it on YouTube the other day. You can kind of see there's a camera outside the Sheffield United dressing room. And you kind of see... Looking down the camera. I think it... Yeah. Looking down the camera. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And and you kind of see Barry Hales is the first one in, isn't he? Yeah, Barry Hales. And then there's a couple... Well, the, well, the famous story. In, in, the famous story in the changing rooms with, with us boys is, is because Danny Dicko, there was a players' room around the back of the changing room where everyone used to sit and watch the results coming and stuff like that. And then, yeah. so Danny Dicko come running down in his suit and threw a water bottle. <laughs> so we just like that was a piss thing that, like you said, ten minutes later, throw a water bottle. Like what are you doing, mate? <laughs> <laughs> when the, when the, 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 the the carnage just ha- had happened right at the start. Like, really, there's there may have may not been a, 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 some headbutts and and things like that. But yeah, it, it was a proper fight. It was a proper fight. It wasn't it wasn't the way that the cameras and 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 famously documented about really went on. You know, there, there, there's more to it. Yeah, but Paddy Kenny sat in the dressing room with a thing under his eye, and I think. Well, yeah, look, next goes time, next, next, next time you watch a video, look at the lump on Paddy Kenny's head. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that, that kind of tells the tale. Oh, unbelievable! So you might as well tell us what happened. No, I can't. I can't. I can't. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you off camera. <laughs> <laughs> so. So Phil Jagielka's got a bit of previous as a goalkeeper, goes in goal, and I remember us thinking, wasn't aware of it at the time because I was at the game, and and you think, fucking hell, they've just put a defender in goal. We fancy this. And uh, you put us 1-0 up. Yeah. I think you got up like a salmon, didn't you, at the back post, and bang, 1-0. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it was. 
We honestly, so Dennis Wise's talk was they got a defender in goal, shoot whenever you can. Obviously, they, they, their defenders knew that as well. So they were trying to not allow any shots whatsoever. And I was thinking, just someone have a shot. When you're sitting in the back, you're quite powerless to what's going on. And you're like, just shoot, shoot. And we couldn't get a shot. And the shots that we did have, the minimal shots, he was making worldy saves, like pulling them out top corners and, and, and things like that. And you're thinking, fuck me, what's, go- what's going on here? Like, and so when I eventually scored, like from, from the cross and, and the header, uh, it was like, Finally, you know, but then obviously, then then it then it then it transpired, and yeah, we we didn't win the game. Yeah, I think Andy Little pulled a goal back, and then a fucking left back scores a worldie from thirty yards. What's all that about? I know, I know. And then, yeah, and then and, then, and again, it's, it's similar to my debut. Really, uh, I'd scored, I now scored a goal, and uh, and we lost the game. <laughs> Unbelievable. And I think that was your only goal for Millwall as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. I hadn't quite grasped the, grasped the idea of scoring goals at that stage in my career, like, <laughs> like, like I did in, like I did late in later years after I left Millwall. Because that was quite a good season for you. But obviously, yeah, we talk about that Leeds game, uh, sorry, that Sheffield game. I think there was the Leeds away game that you were talking about earlier on. Yeah, we, we I remember Sunderland. we beat Sunderland. Who did Sunderland win the win the league that year? Uh, I think they two, did. Yeah, yeah, we we beat them. I think once we took at least four points off them. Um, yeah, Ipswich. I remember Sheffy Kuki and Darren Bent again. Tips as a big team in the league. We beat them. West Ham home and away, great results. Um, yeah, we beat all the big teams, and then I remember us going to kind of like Brighton away down at Withdean Stadium and. And, and 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 losing, you know. So there was there was big moments where if we wanted to wanted to kind of uh, make an impact season and make the playoffs, which was the aim, uh, we had to win. And unfortunately, we beat a lot of the big teams, which were memorable, great, 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 great games. But we we didn't really fulfil the the goal we 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 set out. What a shit hole that with thing was. Oh yeah, it was. It, it was. It was. I hated playing it. It was. The running track. You, you, hated, five minutes. You, you hated it that much. I think you got sent off down there to get first back in the dressing room, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I got I, I got sent off that game, um, which was a bit of a joke. There was like the whole the whole thing kind of thing was the game was marred by kind of certain chants that were were apparently said, which I, I never heard, but um kind of uh, against the Brighton fans. So there was a lot of stuff surrounding the game, and and I felt even through the game, the referee was against us, and almost like he kind of believed all this stuff in the papers and and and, and stuff, and it was almost like he, he was against us already as a team, as players, which which obviously is meant to be a neutral, like whether fans are doing etc etc, whether whether true or not, it should be irrelevant. It should be about the game of football, and a lot of things were going against us, and and even the second yellow, I didn't even. I didn't even touch the guy. I went for a slide tackle, which he jumped. The crowd obviously there, oh, that kind of thing. The referee wasn't even looking, but saw me kind of sliding and the guy jumping. I thought, well, he must have caught him and sent me off. I was like, you didn't even see it, ref. Like, what are you doing? And um, Yeah, well, that referee, if anybody does remember, is still refereeing in the Premier League and he's still pretty appalling on Grey Mariner. Is that his name, Grey Mariner? 
I, 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 yeah. I don't remember except for except for the guy's a cunt. Like, <laughs> that's a, that's a, for, for that day, for that day, because he was he. You, we come up against some really bad referees. You know, Uriah Rennie as well. He's quite a character. Um, he used to batter you. He used to batter, he used to he used to kind of say to him, "Shut, up, shut." Up. I remember playing with Tony Craig, and he goes, "Shut up, you little boy." Like he, he, he's going, your, 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 "Your mum's got your mum's got your dinner. Shut up and go home. You shouldn't even be here." Like it's the referees would say that kind of torture. And I remember that one with Tony. Like, go, I'm, I'm laughing. I'm laughing on the pitch. Tony doesn't know what to say because it's like, but he like a lot of them would have that arrogance about them that they thought they were the the king or the, or the god of that game, you know. And then that that would be weekly that you'd be coming up against referees like that in the, in the championship. Because I think we always think that referees are against us. Yeah, well, that's just a Millwall way, isn't it? Well, we never have a decent referee. Look at the geezer the other night. Didn't give us a penalty or two. I know where you're going, but I, from a player's perspective, I don't know what is right or what is wrong. But in my, in my kind of career, later career at other teams, I definitely found with the clubs I was at, you could have a conversation with the manager, uh, manager, the referee, and you can almost manage the refereeing games. And, and, and get on a level with him. But at Millwall, that was almost like a preconceived thing before the game even started. You were on the pitch. You couldn't have a conversation or anything. The first conversation you had was you getting a yellow card shoved in your face. Like, <laughs> like it, well, they, it, looking back, it does seem like that way. And I don't want to say that they're in, impartial or whatever, but even even down to, you know, like... The, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't say but that way. Um, even down to the even down to the game. You know, the last game of the season when all the play uh, fans used to run on, um, yeah. and you'd you'd end up in a changing room with a pair of pants on. Uh, the referee was in the tunnel already. It's like, come on, mate! Like you left us out all out here, and you're you're in the tunnel already. <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, but then we started giving them nice shower gels and things like that to try and get them on side at one stage. Yeah, it was, the old, yeah, it was never going to work. The, yeah, the wash and go. We're like, where's our wash and go? <laughs> you you need it now, don't you? Yeah, I know this lockdown's not not treating me too well, is it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, that season you also played in, I think, a game at West Ham. Which was actually refereed by Uriah Rennie. And I think Barry Hales got a goal for us, didn't he? And uh, Marlon Harewood equalised. Yeah, was that, that was that um, Upton Park. Yeah, that's right. I remember yeah. that game very well. Yeah, yeah no, was, that, that was the game I was referring to when you couldn't hear, you couldn't hear the, the, the kind of... And I actually went back as a fan and supporting my mates, like the kind of Chris Hackett kind of years. I went to them two away games where all the all the all the kind of it all kicked off. And just one of the reasons was because that West Ham game was the atmosphere was un, unbelievable. The kind of tension, in evil, the air. wasn't it? Yeah, evil. the ten, the tension in the air and the atmosphere was. You, you loved it, and the fact that I said I couldn't hear, we couldn't hear the players talking to each other from 10, 10 yards away. It was that loud that the, the two fans and the rivalry were was so intense. Um, I remember Pardew was the manager. And he, I remember him telling me when I was taking a throw in, uh, oh, <laughs> what are you saying? Mar- Marlon's going to eat you. He's going to eat you up or something like that. I, I said, shut up, you grey silver fox cunt. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 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 that put him back in his place and then we went one nil up and I give him a little smile. Yeah. And then Marlon equalised. Yeah, yeah. Then Teddy Teddy Sheringham come on and late on, didn't they? In for sub. And I remember I remember that being a great moment playing against Teddy Sheringham, Sheringham you know. Um, yeah, well he, he scored actually. Yeah, sorry, you know, well he started that game. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I, I, I think Elliot Ward played for them and the brother of Darren. Yeah, Darren Covey, yeah. Very good player. Very good player, yeah. So 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 it was going off amongst families. You were trying to kick it off with West Ham's manager. We were trying to probably kick it off in the away end. It was just absolutely evil games, weren't they? And I think the game you're referring to, Chris Hackett, was that the was that the League Cup match? The um, night game. Yeah, that was the that was the first one. Well, I went to Super D. I went to two. I went to them both. The first one was the one where it really kicked off. Um, yeah, that's right. And uh, the following year was when Trotter scored, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the second one got caught, beat quite comfortably. Um, I, I um, Yeah, we, we, we were all... That was always money on that game. Like, that was the money game. We had, we had to beat and We had to take something from the game, you know, and it was... The, the rivalry spilled, definitely spilled into the change room as well. And... And we loved it almost as much as the fans loved it. <laughs> so you were actually aware of how much that game meant to everybody. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Like when, even like I talked talked about about the bus coaches coming in and stuff, and um and uh being being thrown bricks and fireworks and. Anything that people could get hold of get thrown at the bus, your own bus windows, not just fans' bus windows, the, the players' bus uh, windows just get put in as well. And we used to love it. Um, and, and we'd get pre warning from the police, obviously, that it was going to happen. Um, that's why the police used to drive you in. But yeah, even coming into Upton Park, like well, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm from around the area, you know, so I'm, I'm, I know a lot of Mill fans, a lot of Mill fans, my friends. So you 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 get you you know you just know and, and and all the players know even if they're from another country or up north they know this game the money is on it even driving into Upton Park like all the the, the kind of diehard Mill fans are there early they're there super early for this game and they're proper like you can see the the feelings the emotion on their face kind of saying come on boys come on boys do it you got to do it and as you're walking off the coach they're all queued up behind the kind of cordon and they're saying it again you know and it's I used to love it. I used to love it. I used to it used to make you kind of tingle up your spine, you know, that you're representing them, you know. Yeah. So you knew you knew it could go a bad way, but at that point, um, bad way in terms of losing, but at that point it, it's urging you on even more so to win. And um it, yeah, brilliant. So the club's on a high then, and it changes pretty quickly, doesn't it? Because Theo decides he he yeah, but he's had enough. Dennis Wise leaves, and it goes from having aspirations of playing in the Premier League to relegation from the Championship under, I think, Colin Lee and David Tuttle. Yep, that must have a, been an incredibly tough time. Yeah, so I am. Um, yeah, I, I. I think I think we all felt that we could have kicked on that season if the if the I think obviously behind the scenes there was a lot of investment on and off the pitch gone on that side that year from Theo, 
Um, and almost for him, that was the one shock, you know, where really we all know in reality with football, it's not just one season. It, it's an accum- success is an accumulation of, of, of a few seasons. So Dennis and Ray really wanted another back in for the next year. But Theo had had enough, you know, um, for whatever reason. We, we, we Obviously, it's documented. But yeah, Dennis felt he couldn't take it any further because there was no back in. Theo was pulling out. Um, and that's when things t- started turning a bit of a, looking back, a shambles, really. A shambles. And it was really difficult period as for me personally as a player because you've gone from such a high to aspirations, like you said, of, of doing so well um, to to just trying your best every week, but but it not being great. Even even like Steve Claridge, we went away to pre-season, even things were going on then, you know? And as, as a young, dedicated, well, not young, but a dedicated pro, whoever was my manager, I was going to give it 100% on training and on the pitch, you know? Whatever politics, I thought I, I didn't get involved in that rubbish, which looking back was the detriment to probably my career, that I never got involved in politics and the changing room bitching and all that kind of stuff that does go on. I never, I, I never, never was part of that. Um, but yeah, Steve didn't stay very long. Like, didn't even make it to the start of the season, um, which was. So what actually happened there? I don't really know because obviously we went to a pre-season uh, army camp. Um, it was a bit of shambles. Uh, the the kind of army guys, to be fair to them, uh, took us to fitness sessions and things like that, and it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. I think that we went there to kind of build some mental strength. I think that's why a lot of people go to these army camps and things to, to kind of really put you through it. Um, and after days training with these guys, like Steve, who's two biggest guys I've ever been with or played with, is Steve Claridge and Dex Wise, could run forever, literally run forever. Uh, like ball pelt, their sprint, forever. And so this, <laughs> Steve knew this run wasn't enough. So he'd be taking us a run after training. And even that, them little things, it was a bit of a shambles. I, I didn't see what, it was just part of the camp, you know, get the camp out of the way, we'll get back to the football next week. Um, but I don't I don't know, Steve was phoning around, um, obviously someone he felt betrayed him or was kind of putting a knife in his back with stories back to chairman, directors, whatever it may be. Um, but I, I wasn't I wasn't privy to any of that information like I said to Steve when he phoned me up and I said Steve I don't know I don't know what's going on no one said anything openly like obviously the camp was a shambles um, but that's nothing to do with the football um, and then and then Colin was it Colin Lee next there were so many Nigel Spatman yeah. Colin yeah, Lee Colin uh, Lee came in and then and the, yeah so Colin Lee come in um, quite liked him the and he, he turned it around a bit, to be fair to him, in terms of fitness. Um, but again, didn't didn't go great. There's so many odds stacked against the team, you know. There's so much, such new new faces all the time. Such a turnaround in, in players. Uh, and then, yeah, Colin Lee did last. Nigel Spackman. Now, by this point, we're in a kind of relegation battle. Um, and Yeah, Dave Tuttle took over, just for people listening. Yeah, and, 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 and I think... I think yeah, Dave Toll. Dave Toll's a, a good guy, but not your stereotypical professional. You know that people would look up to on on the pitch. Good good player, and but like to gamble, like to booze. Was probably the back order running, you know. So, so that, that, that that kind of thing. So when he's when he's been given a manager's job, 
I think a lot of people were, again, I was at Adopt's attitude, doesn't matter who my manager is, I'm going to give 100%. But I think a lot of people saw it as a, a shambles signing that, that that wasn't great, you know, and that, that, that just didn't help others matters any further. And then I think he actually left towards the end of that season. I think we had another, I think we had a couple of caretakers in, didn't we? Didn't Tony Burns take over or something like that? David well, Nigel Spackman come in uh, before that, I believe. But Nigel Spackman, again, we wouldn't see him from Monday to Thursday. So we're all in, in a relegation battle, trying our socks off. Um, Spackman came in to start the following season. Oh, Spackman came in, yeah, the start oh, of, that's when, that was when I think he bought in about a million new players, didn't he? Okay, one yeah, summer. Okay. That was the next one, was it? Yeah, so it was it was just a bit of a, a mess that year, yeah, to say the least. I, and actually, yeah, yeah, it was a bit of a mess. <laughs> now, go on. Yeah, but you've got the forum. Just say what yeah, you no, think. Yeah, no, 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 no. Just, it, it was just, a, it was a tough time. It was a tough period to be at the club, really. Um Exactly, you summed it up. We went from such a high to a complete U-turn to um, no support on or off the pitch, uh, and it was almost just last guys going out completely, not as a team, not as a unit, um, and ultimately giving it your best. But you almost, I don't know, don't know, going 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 into a, a, a kind of a fight with someone with a bat, and you've got. A feather in your hand, you know that kind of thing, where, yeah. where you you just up against it before you've even stepped on the pitch, and it, it just wasn't a great atmosphere. And however hard you tried and tried to stay positive, it was it was, it was a tough year. I suppose it didn't help if you didn't see the manager from Monday to Thursday. Yeah, yeah, and then, then turn up on a Thursday laughing and joking, you know. And we <laughs> this is a little bit more serious. This means a little bit more to us than. They're laughing a joke. This is not laughing and joking time. Because that was actually your last season at the club, wasn't it? Yeah. So I, 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 um, so we went through a period where I was playing. I was playing pretty well, to be fair. I was, I was under Willie Donaghy. That, 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 that season, once, once kind of Willie took over, it was, it was, it was tough for me personally because I'd gone from being so well and used to having managers who would really support the team. And it then started getting a bit, I don't want to use words, words snaky, but, um, I, I was, uh, it was obvious that I wasn't kind of, uh, even though I was playing every week, it wasn't in his character to, to kind of support or anything like that with Willie Donoghue. And um, I was playing, and I was playing pretty good each week, but there'd been no conversation. If I'd, I remember being team of the week and stuff like that, and, and or, or star player, and, and there'd be no well done, nothing like that. And so all them little kind of like, um, Psychological stuff was going on, and 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 along with a tough period, there's probably times where looking back that my I and, I and again I take these points on to my coaching career now. So I, I, I talk about them, but they, for me they're all positives because I know now how I, how I should be as a coach, as a manager, how you get the best out of players because I have been a player. And at that time there was no support in terms of well done, even little simple things like that. So it was it was a tough period uh, where I was. I was uh, there was no support, but then there's certain players that would get the support, you know, in your position and get really well done, liken them to John Terry, like real obvious stuff that was going on. Even though you'd think this about players who were leaving the club, but I was playing every week, um, so there was a lot of stuff going on. And then 
I was at, like I said, I was having to play, I was having mm. to play almost like nine out of ten games just to stay in the team. And um, I even, I, I, I've got, I, I can't remember the game. I was ill, I was really ill the night before, um, and I thought I'm just, I'd done it before. I, I, I was ill, little, and I had Lemsip and get through the game. You know, Lemsip, Paracetamol. At the time, that period, you could take there were certain things you could take and you couldn't take. At that point, Lemsip and obviously Paracetamol was fine, but Lemsip eventually come off the list. But you could take Lemsip, and I just dosed myself up to the max on that and get through games. So I thought it's just another case of that. I'd get through the game, um, and then deal with the audience afterwards. You know, um, and the game. I was in agony. I was like bent over the whole game, pale white, shaking, got through to half time and uh live was like, Mark, are you okay? And I was coughing and all sorts. And uh, uh we ended up winning the game. I gained really good I don't know how I got it, but gained really good performance. Gained no no well done whatsoever off Willie Donahue. Coming after the game, obviously that was then the point I was used to play with pain. Because of my injuries, I was always playing through an injury or playing through pain. Uh, I'd have injections to get through injuries and things like that. So it was, it was, it wasn't at the time any anything different to what I'd do. But because I knew if I come out of the team, I'd lose my place. So I had to get through this. And then what actually happened is that late on in the second half, uh, unbeknown to me, my appendix burst. Um, so I had appendicitis. So I, I just thought it was obviously a stomach pain and illness, and I'd get through it. So I was dosing myself up got through the game, got in at the end of the game and nearly collapsed. Ambulance come to then, <laughs> took me to Blackheath Hospital and I had the, had the operation immediately uh, through, through that. And then because I knew I was going to get dropped and all I cared about was playing football. So I then rushed myself. That was the Saturday night, obviously, after the game, I had the operation. And then... I rushed myself back and played the following Saturday at home against no way at Bristol Rovers because I remember Junior Gogo, rest in peace, who died, uh, being the centre forward. And he was an absolute unit, and I remember every time the times I tried to push him and stuff, I could still feel my stomach ripping from the, obviously the surgery and the scars. Um, but yeah, that was that was the period for me at Millwall. It was it was a really hard time to so week in week out um, have to play to the top of my ability with no support, no kind of good work. That time it seemed the world was against me, you know. Yeah, well, that's real wall. That is, yeah. We go on about real wall, but they have an appendix operation and to turn out the next week. It's absolutely mad thing to do. Yeah, yeah, do you look time. back on it now and you think that's fucking madness? Yeah, I should have yeah. been laid up for a week. Yeah, no, it was absolute madness. But it gives you an insight into the situation I was in at, at, at Millwall with under Willie Donahue. Um, all the other guys kind of getting this clear support, like you're unbelievable, you're that, and I got nothing, even when I played well. And normally that led to me leaving the club eventually, um, because just because of that, and I had to, I had there was no choice. It was either Mark, you, 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 you take the proper rest that you need to for this, and you don't play again. And remember, you got to remember there's a background to Mills, my club. Mills, the team I love, the club I love, and regardless of whether I play well on a Saturday or Tuesday night or not, I'll always give 100%, you know, and it was no one can ever say that I, I didn't give give my all, but a lot of injuries and things went against me, and that was just an example of, of what I had to do at the time in the situation I was in, and I probably, if I probably if I was in that situation, I'd do it again, you know, because that's what my life was, my life was football and playing in their games. 
But looking back, I think yeah, you're last absolute madness, mate. Absolute madness, mate. <laughs> yeah, we talk about madness. Your last game was a five-two defeat at home to Leighton Orient. Well, that, that, what, that was a, what a fucking that, evening that was. Yeah, so that was the that was the that was the accumulation of all this pressure. Obviously, fans don't see what's going on behind the scenes, um, but that was almost like the for me personally and my performance that night. I've not I've not had many bad games from Millwall, but that was was a bad game. That was definitely a, a stinker for me. But the background to it is, which obviously I'm I'm telling you now, but you you don't really open these 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 stories up to people, and you keep. As a kind of old school guys, you keep these things in. You don't really tell people. But I'd been going through kind of that pressure, that hot pot for three months, week in, week out, playing in the team and having to give like a nine out of ten performance to stay in that team. And and obviously, I've gone through the operation. I've got myself back from the operation within a week, um, six days, uh, and then that was the accumulation of of it exploding, you know, and 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 on on, on that night. Um, it all all got too much, and it, it was the point where I come off that game, and obviously it was a bad performance. So I had to had to not play, but that was the point that that manager was looking for, and was was hopefully looking to happen three months before that. So it was just an accumulation of 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 time, and looking back, no regrets again because it was always going to happen. And now I take that in, I take them kind of negatives that I experienced because I've experienced all things in football, positives, negatives, indifferences. Um, I take that onto my coaching career because that's what I'm passionate about now. I, I know I'd never put any of that player in that position. I'd, I, honestly, yeah. honestly, and upfront, this are qualities that I respect and and breed success. We were three 0 down in twelve minutes. The fucking late and Orion yeah, of all yeah. teams, Orion. Yeah, no, it wasn't a good night. It wasn't a good night at all. And uh, then you ended up, I think you left the club to go on loan and you couldn't have gone much further away, could you? Darlington. Yeah, so so actually, so so Darlington was, was a lot younger. In my, I went to Darlington years before. You, know, you went at the end of that, yeah. You yeah, actually went, went, went at the end of that, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I actually was going to go to MK Dons. So I went to MK Dons under Paul Lintz with their new stadium and I was assigned there. So I I, I, I actually went and saw Willie and I, I said, I think it's best I, I kind of move on. I've got an opportunity to go to MK Dons. And I and so I I went to MK Dons, had a few games and trained stuff like that. So I can have a look at me because Paul Lynch didn't know me. Um, done really, really well. Come back to uh, Millwall. To, I was going to sign a deal. that I trained the whole week and played two games, I think it was. Was going to sign on the Monday after the weekend. I came back to train on the Friday with Millwall, and um, I remember coming back seeing the boys, my like, boys, all right, everything. Um, <clears throat> and Willie goes to me, "I oh, want why don't you train just to keep your fitness." Looking back now, he probably needed the numbers for a training as, a, as an older guy now. Um, yeah. So he's thinking of himself, the, the fucking arsehole. Um, but so. That put a seed of doubt. I thought, do you know what? Just take training easy. Go. I remember even people saying, don't train. Most of people, because I respected the manager still at this point and, and, and went along with that sh- absolute stupidity and naive- naivety at the time. Now I'm looking at it. Um, I went out and trained and the, the goalie coach came in Dearden, threw a ball. I didn't even called for it. <clears throat> he threw a ball. I was at a right back. He threw a ball and trained over my head. 
and come down. As I jumped, I had to jump and bring it down on the inside of my foot because there's a player right on me, taking inside him. <clears throat> as I as I landed, uh, my knee went and done my cruise ship for a second time. Uh, so that's why that's why the NK Dons deal didn't go through. I was then because it was my second cruise ship, and I had complications for it being a second one. I was then out for eleven months, uh, which which to be fair. Because I I I I gone quite well with the um with the uh, chairman Stuart I can't remember was it Stuart Till? Yeah, Stuart Till. Yeah, <clears throat> he 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 was a nice guy. He was a nice guy, and um he looked after me and, and kind of kept me, uh, gave me kind of time to rehab myself at at at, uh, at Millwall, and then Kenny Jacket come in, and that Kenny was bringing his own players in, new things, um and only I wasn't. Kenny said he wasn't going to be keeping me. I wasn't fit yet. I was still in the physio room. And uh, so I actually, yeah, I actually went to Brentford, still injured. And and and, had, and got got signed at Brentford while I was, I'd done no games, no running, no training. And signed went straight in at Brentford and took a gamble, really, for my own career. And won a second division title, I think, or League Two title in yeah, your first yeah. season. What was it like to leave Millwall? Or... It, it was... It was. I remember. I remember. I don't know. Like, how could I take the Mickey? Like, it's you know, like a loved up couple going, "Love you." No, you say goodbye. No, you say goodbye. Kind of thing. I think I must have walked around. Even though, do you know what? If I'm being honest, it was a feeling of of I was ready for a fresh start. You know, when you've gone through so much kind of negativity and turmoil, you you're bored of it. You want a fresh start. You want a new challenge. So there was that side of it. I was buzzing to kind of go and join a new club, go and be a real success. Go and play for someone that that, that appreciated me and and and, and recognised my talents. Like likewise, in raided, like and and when I've gone from in two seasons being tired that I could be in the Premier League to a to a to a few few injuries, and next thing you know, I'm going to have a few few starts. That's football. Um, but you know, it, it it was I was hungry for a fresh start. I was, I've got that hunger back, but also there was that tear that I was. It's all I'd ever known. I was at the club since 13 years old in the official capacity to 26. So it was real painful for even to say goodbye to the cooks and things like that, you know. It was... It was half your life, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it, it was tough. And obviously knowing I wouldn't be coming back into that routine, that chain room, walking through the, the train ground doors since I'd, I'd... Yeah, it was my life. So there was that side of it as well where, where it was a real heart-wrenching. But you got to live in the moment, you know. You look forward, you can't look back. Um and so that was it was its start of a new exciting period. However much, however painful that day was, and however much feelings I had of missing the place further down the line. We did one of these with Darren Purse, who was like you, a Millwall fan growing up. Does Millwall feel the same now since you played for us, and that as it did when you were? A youngster growing up and supporting the club, or do you become detached from it? You, as a player, you definitely become detached as a fan. You look out for results and things like that, but because you're so immersed into your job, and ultimately, it's, it's like I said, it's a results business. It's week to week. You're looking next or, or Saturday to Tuesday. You're always looking forward, which and you got that result. So the demand is you win and you or you perform. Or you're out of the team, or potentially out of job, you know. So 
that attachment from a fan to a player is, I find, I found I had to disattach myself from a fan to take my job seriously, really seriously to the levels that it needed. Since I've retired, I've, I've now almost fallen back in love with the game and, and become a fan again. Even though you won't, you won't get me, you won't get me jumping and screaming, shouting around, around in the in the kind of uh, in in the in the turnstiles or in the in the, in the crowd. But uh, I, I have been known to, I've been known to, like, but but um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I've become more of a fan, more love the game that there's not that pressure on on it now. Um, so coming back to your question, I've probably got a good example. So when Neil Harris first took over. We've, um, I was at South End at the time. We played uh, Mill at South End Roots Hall in a cup, and um, it, 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 like it was, it was. That was when you ripped us a new arsehole that oh day, wasn't life. it? Oh my life! I remember looking there, looking and thinking, like I was going through my own problems with Phil Brown. What a toss pot he is! Um, so he didn't even play me against my own club, old club. Said, said you needed a rest mark. What a wanker. Like rest against all I wanted. <laughs> I was desperate to play that game, like to play against my old club, not to trounce them or whatever, just to play against my, my, my team. You want to play against your team. And um, and he didn't play me. So after, like you said, tore, tore a new arsehole for Mill. And I'm thinking, what the fuck is this? Like, people, you, you, you're getting battered. All the basics weren't even there. Working hard, running, tackling, competing, challenging. I'm thinking, this is not Millwall. This is not... Yeah, that was under Steve Lomas. Yeah. I've never seen this. I'm, I've never seen this. Well, actually, that game, Neil just taken over. It was his first second game as caretaker or something like that. And I think he'd got a good result before that and then that game. And I was just looking at some of the players thinking, that's embarrassing. Like, and I remember seeing Neil, because Neil was a friend of mine, in, in, the, in, the, in the tunnel... And just saying, no, what the hell is that, Neil? That's that's not the qualities you need to play for Millwall. They kind of obviously stayed impartial as Neil is very professional. Um, you just going, I'm working on it. I'm working on it, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, no. So, so so to come from what the Mill I knew, Mill I knew growing up, you know, that Millwall, which I class as a proper Millwall, um, to then. Glory, good years under Dennis Wise, where he got that spirit back, that that fight, and that grit into terms. Then going through the horrific years, I've definitely, def- definitely, it's Neil Neil Harris a big, big turnaround. I'm glad I mentioned his name because I think he's a big credit to to getting that fight, that love, the, the identity of Millwall back. Because I think it was lost a little bit through through Loma, through um, through Ollie. Um, however hard they tried and and worked it, I think Neil helped get the identity of the club back. And now moving on to kind of Gary Rowlett, good appointment, I, think, I believe, at the time. Yeah, really good appointment out of the names that were getting thrown around. And I think patience is key in football. Patience is key. And, and, and it's, it's Mills back on going, going the right way, you know. Football's evolved as a game. So I don't think you're ever going to get that kind of that kind of fight, that, that tackling, because that's why people don't like the Premier League anymore. They people say say they're real fans go and watch non-league and things like that, you know, because they can identify with it better. So the game, and obviously, remember Millwall not championships not too far off the Premier League. That's got to be a name. So you have to evolve. He's got some good grit in there with some Mill youngsters as well coming through, which is always nice to see. Was there about four or yeah. five players that regularly play in the first team from from the youth team, which which is which is amazing. It keeps that spirit. They they've got that identity. They've grown up knowing what the club is about. 
and the other players seem to buy into it as well. Yeah, you'd love playing under Rabbit. It's pretty defensive. <laughs> well, I, no, no, I, I always, <laughs> always, always felt my job was to allow the other players to go and express themselves. As I grew older and more experienced in the game, it's not about being defensively or attacking wise. Defending is an is, is a job. It's your speciality. You are there to defend, organise your team to allow the flair players or the quality to go and express themselves and and do win the game. Mate, just very quickly, what are you up to these days? You say you you're saying you're coaching. I think you you were running an academy with Alan Dunn at one time, weren't you? You're still doing that. Yes, yeah, so I've got my academy. I do it alone now. Um, I've had a quite a few offers to go into professional academy academies as a coach, um, agency, all sorts of things surrounding football. Um, but I'm really passionate. Like I've touched on it, all, all of them experienced my, through my career, and I've, there's been so many highs. Uh, obviously, later on in my career with Southend, Brentford, <coughs> Wimbledon, um, but all them experience would be stupid not to kind of to use that and help help uh, the next generation really. And and I've got a few players that I'm now going into Millwall, which are doing real, real well. So I've got a few names for the future. So don't worry about that. Uh, I can see some big things coming for, with, with them at Millwall, but I'm not going to say names and put pressure on people. But, but yeah, no, so that's what I love. I run an academy called Six Soccer Academy, which funny enough was one, my num- one of my numbers at, at Millwall. Um, so one well, of your many numbers up. at Millwall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used to love the number 28, actually. That's probably the one I used to love the most, weirdly. Um, because it was my first professional number, actually, that's why. But yeah, I run my uh, local academy in Beckenham, Bromley, called Six Soccer Academy, um, and just love it. Just love it. We've got a real good. I formed a real good team of ex-professionals, current professional coaches, advisors, and and just love. I'm really passionate about passing on our knowledge and and giving, kind of making the kids whatever standard they are, strive to achieve the best they can be. And if that helps them in, in the wider life and community, that's what we're looking to do. We've got some great success stories. We've been running for five years now. Until I get that, that to the point where I know it's, I know it can be, because we've got some big things planned, um, that's when I'll probably continue my academy but step back into the professional game, which is all I've ever known. So be stupid not to. Matt, that seems like quite an appropriate time. Blimey, yeah, well, an hour and a half has just flown by, mate. And I, yeah, well, I guess that we could probably talk for another hour and a half, but yeah, no, so that's great, great place to leave it. Thank you so much indeed for your time this morning and uh, wish you all the very best for the future. Cheers, thank you, thank you very much, Neil.
Progressive is America's number one motorcycle insurer, so we understand motorcycles. No, really, we have a bike translator. Okay, so this bike feels like he's capable of a little more than just trips to the convenience store. Oh, also, he wants to let you know that you can buy a gallon of ice cream instead of a pint every time. <laughs> Those are his words. So he said roughly like, blink the last wheel. It doesn't really translate, but the way he said it was super funny. <laughs> Get 24-7 roadside assistance with Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Roadside assistance subject to policy terms and limits and may require comprehensive coverage. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.